Now, Birdsong, fun and fascinating talk about the top stories in today's headlines. Birdsong may just be the most qualified talk show host in the business, thanks to his many careers in law, government, and education. Here's your host, Leonard Birdsong. Hello, folks. This is Birdsong back with you. So glad to be here with you on the radio to share this hour. Big show today. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, some news and commentary, and there will be some dumb criminal law stories and some riddles. And I've uh, got a guest today. His name is Tim Haig. He's a engaging and inspiring guy. He wrote a book that I read called Perseverance, which I'll tell you about. So stick with us. Now, we're going to start with some news today. I call it the good, the bad, and the ugly. For those of you as old as I am, you know that there was a movie many, many years ago starring Clint Eastwood, a spaghetti western called The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. It was a spaghetti western, a western that was done and filmed in Italy. Very successful. But anyway, let's start out the good news that I want to talk about from last week. Josh Holt, a U.S. citizen who had traveled to Venezuela to marry a woman he met online, was released last Saturday after two years in a Caracas jail and has returned to the United States. Now, Holt had been accused by the Venezuelan officials of stockpiling weapons and grenades in public housing, a charge that he vehemently denied. His incarnation, incarceration rather, had become a major flashpoint in relations between Caracas, Venezuela, and Washington, D.C., Mr. Holt worked with two presidential administrations to try to get him out. There were many diplomatic contacts. Finally, he was released last week. President Trump, who announced his release on Sunday morning, the 27th of May, welcomed Josh and Tammy Holt, that's his wife, to the United States, and there was an impromptu gathering inside the Oval Office telling them they came back from a very tough ordeal. Now, Venezuela is going through a lot of problems, and uh, its relations with the United States are going downhill. Although I don't represent people anymore in asylum cases, I have talked to quite a few Venezuelans who sought my advice about seeking asylum. Things there are very bad in Venezuela. People are trying to get out. Now, I think that this was a good thing that they let him go. Maduro just won his last, latest election, and uh, he seems to want to stop the bilateral relations that are sinking and come back into the fold. Now, from what I know of Venezuela and what Venezuelans tell me, what Maduro really wants is make sure that the United States does not impose a crippling embargo. We buy most of Venezuelans' oil, and that's what their money and their economy is based on. So good news that Josh Holt and his wife were released after two years in jail. More good. Everyone's heard about this now. ABC announced just this past Tuesday that it canceled Roseanne after the show's star, Roseanne Barr, went on a vitriolic and racist Twitter rant. 
Ms. Barr appeared to take aim Monday at Valerie Jarrett, a former advisor to President Barack Obama, in a tweet that identified the administration official by her initials. Quote, Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes had a baby, VJ. Though she later claimed it was a joke, she issued a fuller apology later on Tuesday because there was intense criticism toward what she said. Her apology reads, I apologize to Valerie Jarrett and to all Americans, she wrote. I'm truly sorry for making a bad joke about the politics and her looks. I should have known better. Forgive me. My joke was in bad taste. However, with all those apologies, Channing Dungy, the president of ABC Entertainment, did not consider the tweet a joking matter. Roseanne's Twitter statement is abhorrent, repugnant, and inconsistent. And I'm quoting what Miss Dungy said about her. It's the Twitter statement is abhorrent, repugnant, and inconsistent with our values, and we have decided to cancel her show. This was said after a um, few hours after the rant went out. Wanda Sykes, who's a comedian and a writer for the show, immediately resigned from the show. Miss Barr was also dropped by her talent agency, ICM Partners, who announced in a statement that her disgraceful and unacceptable tweet was antithetical to our core values, both as individuals and as an agency. Consequently, we have notified her that we will no longer represent her. Bad news for her, good news for what ABC did. They had the courage to fire someone who is going around spewing racist, racist words that are just not necessary in our society. Now, the social media rant wasn't exactly a surprise for performance by Barr. Roseanne regularly delights supporters of President Trump with her tweets and conservative memes and stories. So she was coming, making a comeback after 21 years off the air. But by her own standards, she cut her own throat. She was spreading false rumors about Chelsea Clinton, about George Soros, and about Valerie Jarrett. ABC is owned by the Disney Company, and Bob Iger, who is the president, was all in favor of canceling Roseanne's show. The sad part of this, although it's good that ABC took this uh, moment to do this without dragging it out, it's bad for the people who worked on the show. They are all out of a job now. At any rate, I hope that others will not let their racism get to them and make them lose their job or their position in society. I learned shortly after all of this that Roseanne said she is apologetic for what she said. She said it was caused, the Twitter rant was caused by her taking Ambien at 2 o'clock in the morning on Memorial Day morning, and she just couldn't help herself. Well, I don't think the makers of Ambien would go along with that. So those are some good things. What about some bad things? And, you know, this is my opinion. You may disagree with me, and you can email me at lbirdsong22 at gmail.com if you want to 
write about it. I will answer you on the show. There are some other bad news here that I wanted to talk about, and of course that's about the fact that the on-again, off-again summit with Kim Jong-un and the President Donald Trump. What we know, on Thursday the 24th of May, Donald Trump wrote a letter to North Korea accusing Korea of open hostility and calling off the June 12th summit with its leader, Kim Jong-un. Then, the very next day, Donald Trump turned around and said that talks with Pyongyang had resumed and expressed cautious optimism that the meeting would be held after all. Quote, we'll see what happens. It could even be on the 12th, Trump reporters, or Trump told reporters as he left the White House. At any rate... The two sides seem to be far apart. Trump wants complete denuclearization of the North and South Korea Peninsula, and uh, they want to keep some of their nukes. We want to get rid of them. Now, we don't know if the summit is going to go on June 12th. They seem to be working toward that. I don't think there's enough time. Why do I think that? Well, because I was in the diplomatic service, and I've been on at least one presidential visit to a foreign country, and I know it took a lot of work. It took several months to set it up. There were advanced teams that went out, a lot of planning. The summit is supposed to be in Singapore, which is at the end of the uh, Malay Peninsula out in uh, Southeast Asia. So I don't know that it's, there's time for them to get everything together, but hopefully they will meet sometime or other. Kim, of course, wants to meet with Trump to give him status, and Trump wants to meet with Kim so he will be the center of global attention. He's not much for foreign policy. This is bad for the United States. United States officials, I've learned, have called for North Korea to take unilateral steps to eliminate its nuclear arsenal and limit its ballistic missiles. But North Korea appears to favor a phased, a phased concession by both sides with gradual steps matched by U.S. economic assistance and assurance that it will not seek to dethrone Mr. Kim Jong-un. Bad business. This is not the way to negotiate, in my opinion. We should not try to have a summit just winging it when all the preparations have not been made. This is birdsong. I have had experience with this. So that's some of the bad. What about the ugly? Well, what's ugly to you and what's ugly to me may be different things. One of the things ugly that happened last week, and I'm sure many of you heard about this, that there are some parents in upstate New York that had to go to court. <laughs> they had to go to court to evict their 30-year-old son from their home. He just wouldn't move out. The judge had to evict their unemployed adult son. It's a nightmare of many parents. You have a grown child who's suffering from arrested development. The son or daughter won't work, isn't paying rent, or otherwise contributing to the household. This is the story of Christina and Mark Rotondo, 
Their son is Michael Rotondo. The 30-year-old argued for half an hour with a judge in upstate New York last week, saying that he knew his parents wanted him out of their split-level ranch, but he felt he was entitled as a family member to six months' notice before an eviction. (laughs) But after a half an hour back and forth, the judge said, no, 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 you don't have six months. You have to be out by June 1st, and that's coming very fast. The parents even said they'd give him moving money, $1,100. The last we heard from him is that he now really doesn't have enough boxes or money to buy boxes. That's not a very good excuse. Matter of fact, I think it's downright ugly. <laughs> All right, so that is some ugly news, but it's interesting that, you know, every state is a little bit different, but seemingly you can evict your grown children who won't live at home and pay, and they won't get out. The last story I have here has to do with President Trump blaming Democrats for separating migrant families. You may or may not have heard this. I know a lot about immigration. Story goes that President Trump attempts to blame Democrats for separating migrant families at the border is renewing a political uproar over immigration, an issue that has challenged Trump throughout his presidency and threatens to grow more heated as uh, he imposes more restrictions to stem the flow of illegal immigration. In one of several misleading tweets during the holiday, that is the Memorial Day holiday that we had, Mr. Trump pushed Democrats to change, quote, a horrible law that the president said mandated separating children from parents who enter the country illegally. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no law specifically requiring the government to take such action. It's also the policies of his own administration that have caused the family separation that advocacy groups and Democrats say is a crisis. In April, more than 500,000 migrants were apprehended or otherwise deemed inadmissible, and administration officials have made clear that children will be separated from parents who enter the country illegally and are detained. The surge in illegal border crossings is expected to continue as the economy improves and warmer weather arrives. Now, one of the things and one of the problems with this is that people can come to the border of the United States and they can seek asylum. That is part of our law that is comes down from international law and international agreements that we have signed. The first one we didn't sign was called the 1952 1952 Convention for the Resettlement of Refugees, people who had been displaced because of the Second World War. It was signed by over 100 countries that countries with try to take in refugees whose homes had been destroyed because of the war. The United States did not sign on to that convention, but in 1967... There was a protocol to the convention, that is an amendment, whereby it led all the countries who signed to take in refugees from all over the world and not just from war-torn Europe. This was called the 1967 Protocol, Protocol, and the United States did sign on to that, and we've enshrined it into American immigration law. If you are fleeing your country because of persecution on the fact 
that may be based on your race, religion, nationality, your political standing or political beliefs or standing in a particular group, you may seek asylum. And if you have a credible fear hearing, which you should get, you may gain asylum. Mr. Trump doesn't understand that we have signed on to an international treaty and he wants to stop people from seeking asylum. That is ugly, ladies and gentlemen. You've heard it from Birdsong. So that's my news commentary and opinions. You don't like them, or even if you do like them, you can write me at lbirdsong22 at gmail.com. I'll respond to you. All right. Stick with me. There's still more, a lot more in this show. I'll be back. This is Birdsong. Birdsong back with you, folks. I hope you like what you hear, even if you didn't like what you hear. It's all part of the news of this past week, and I'm here to talk about it. But now, let's have a little entertainment. How about some dumb criminal law stories? You know I collect these stories from around the world. Been doing so now for more than 10 years. I started it for the law students that I used to teach. They really loved the stories. Turned out that I wrote a few books to put these stories in. I have a blog, birdsongslaw.com. You can read some of my stories online. Here's some stories that I worked on the first part of the year. These stories come from January of this year, 2018. First story from California. Headline, Child's Play. A driver was caught using a Chucky doll as a fake passenger in the carpool lane. The driver had seat belted the creepy toy from the horror movie Child's Play in a car seat on a highway in Contra Costa County. Quote, A for effort, the highway patrol teased on Twitter. Here's your carpool ticket. <laughs> a Chucky doll. Another story from California. Can you hear me now, says the headline. We learned that a brawl broke out at a pizzeria over a missing cell phone which had been sitting in the shops lost and found all along. More than 20 people at John's Incredible Pizza Company in the town of Newark began yelling, throwing punches, and firing pepper spray after a mother accused a woman of stealing her daughter's cell phone. The restaurant manager later found the phone safe in the lost and found in his office. There is no information as to whether arrests were made. Next story from Connecticut. Headline, She Was a Real Dope. A woman was arrested on Christmas Day 2017 after she allegedly took out a packet of cocaine in plain view and prepared to do a bit of snorting while waiting to be booked on unrelated charges at a police station. <laughs> Nicole Hunter was charged with possession, interfering with an officer, and disorderly conduct in the town of Ledyard, Connecticut. My gosh, she was a real dope. <laughs> How about this one from Denmark, country of Denmark? Headline, they report he got a ride to central booking. 
A drug dealer's freedom ended quickly after he jumped in a police car, thinking it was a taxi. It is reported that the police were happy to see him since it was, he was carrying around 1,000 joints, marijuana joints. Copenhagen police tweeted about the arrest to the public after arresting the unnamed man. Boy, oh boy. He, the report said he got a ride to Central Booking. Now, here's a funny one. This is from Florida. And, you know, we got a lot of funny stories to come out of Florida. The headline on this one reads, Too Much Meat in His Pants? <laughs> An Indian town man was apprehended stealing from a grocery store after a police officer observed him pulling, what, a full rack of ribs from the waistband of his trousers. Maley Alvarez, 26, was also caught swiping two packages of hamburger buns, nine pieces of fried chicken, and mashed potatoes at the Rhines Market IGA in Indiantown. Yes, an arrest was made. <laughs> Too much meat in his pants. <laughs> okay. Another story from Florida. Simple headline. The headline says, Wasted. A man was so drunk, he mistook a drive through bank for a Taco Bell and ordered a burrito. Douglas Francisco, 38, was arrested snoozing behind the wheel of a running Hyundai at a Bank of America in the town of Spring Hill, Florida, police say. The munchie-needing driver was speaking gibberish when police searched his car and found drugs. Who knew? <laughs> Here's one from Guinea, West Africa. Yes, Guinea is a country in West Africa. Headline, it really only takes nine months. A phony healer in Africa was arrested for allegedly tricking hundreds of women into believing they were pregnant by feeding them an herbal concoction that made their stomachs bloat for up to 16 months. Police in the Guinean capital of Conakry say women struggling to conceive paid $33 to Na Fanta Kamara for the mixture of leaves and herbs. He remains in jail. <laughs> All right, how about this one from Ireland? Now, these are all true, folks. The headline, Injured Genitals? Injured Genitals? It's been reported that a burglar in Ireland caught and prosecuted in 2015 is now suing his victim, claiming he injured his genitals during the break-in. The unidentified thief who received a suspended sentence said he suffered the injury to his manhood by running into store shelves while fleeing. Quote, I received a letter from his lawyer asking me to take all responsibility for the accident, said Kevin. That's the King's Court store, store owner. I don't know if he will pay for the burglar's injured genitals. <laughs> All right. A story from Minnesota. Headline. Sober as a judge, bad judge. A judge pleaded guilty to drunken driving after running a stop sign on New Year's Day with twice the legal blood alcohol concentration. Ramsey County, Ramsey County District Court Judge Tony Atwall apologized for his poor decision to drive with a blood alcohol Concentration of 0 0.17. What did he receive? He received a sentence of 18 days of house arrest 
and probation. My, my, my. <laughs> All right. How about this one? North Carolina, the headline, Irony. A man who once won a police department-sponsored donut eating contest was recently arrested for burglarizing a Dunkin' Donuts. Bradley Hardison, 27 years old, was charged with felony breaking and entering, felony safe cracking, and felony larceny by the of the Elizabeth City Dunkin' Donuts. A man who once won a police department-sponsored donut eating contest <laughs> arrested for burglarizing a Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, my gosh. All right. These stories never go away, folks. They never change. Criminals, dumb criminals, never change. I've known lots of them in my time. Here's the last one for the day. Another story from Florida. Florida just has so many of these. Headline, back to, ga- back to jail you go, my friend. Back to jail you go, my friend. It was recently reported that Richard Powell, 57 years old, was sent back to jail for his 334th arrest. Mr. Powell pleaded guilty in the third week of January of this year after he was arrested in South Beach, Florida, while screaming in traffic with a beer in one hand and marijuana in his shoes, according to a police report. This was also Mr. Powell's fifth conviction in the past 12 months. I think this guy likes to be in jail. (laughs) Three hots in a cot. (laughs) All right, this is Birdsong with the Dumb Criminal Law Stories of the Week. Now we've got some riddles here. They're easy this week. You can probably get these. I'll tell you what the answers are at the end of the show here. First riddle. What is purple and 500 miles long? What is purple and 500 miles long? Think about it. Second riddle. When is it bad luck to be followed by a black cat? When is it bad luck to be followed by a black cat? The third riddle. A fellow dressed his dog up as a mailman for Halloween. What did the dog do? A man dressed up his dog as a mailman for Halloween. What did the dog do? Those are the three headlines. I'll come back at the end of the show with the answers, but they're not that hard to figure out. Now, this is Birdsong. I love being with you. Stick with me. There's still lots more. We're going to speak to our guest, Tim Hague, and just a few moments. He's a very engaging and inspiring writer. He's got a great story. I read it. You might want to read it too. His book is called Perseverance. This is Birdsong. We'll be back. Stay with us. This is Birdsong back with you, folks. Thanks for sticking with me. Quite a show today. I had a lot of news and commentary that I wanted to give you about Roseanne Barr and about Josh Holt, who was 
released uh, from two years of jail in Venezuela. We talked a little bit about the off-and-on summit between President Trump and Kim Jong-un. Will it go on the 12th of June or not? We will see. I don't think there's enough time. Heard some dumb criminal law stories. Now we're going to speak to a fellow, my guest. He's an author. He was born in Texas. He was raised in Kansas. His name is Tim Haig Sr. He wrote a book called Perseverance. He is a public speaker, an educator, and an advocate for people suffering from Parkinson's disease. At 46 years old, Tim Haig was diagnosed with young-onset Parkinson's disease, which soon ended his career as a registered nurse and healthcare professional. Three years later, he went on to win the inaugural season of The Amazing Race Canada, making him an instant celebrity. Haig has sent has since become a sought-after speaker and has dedicated his life to educating and helping others through his charitable work. Tim Haig, thank you for being with us on Birdsong. How are you today? I'm very good, sir. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yes, well, you are quite a guy. Your book is Perseverance, The Seven Skills You Need to Survive, Thrive, and Accomplish More Than You Ever Imagined. I read the book. It's a good read. Why well, did you write you. the book? Well, you know what? I had started speaking, and the honest truth is, Birdsong, the, the fundamental truth isn't that exciting. I, after the Amazing Race, I had started speaking, and I started speaking to other professional speakers, and they said, if you want to stay in this speaking gig, you need two things. You need a website and a book. So I set off to write a book for no other glorious reason than to stay in the speaking business. But as I began to write, <laughs> I started discovering the more I spoke, the more this message resonated with so many different groups of people, not just yep. Parkinson's groups, but other chronic illnesses, business owners, CEOs, schoolrooms. And I began to contemplate, you know, really where I had come and where I had come from and started to look at this word perseverance that really seemed to be, if you will, bred in the bone. And I started going back to my, my birth considering exactly what had happened there, my adoption story. And really, as, as I walked through the process, fell in love with the idea of, of, of pinning this story, if for no other reason than for my own benefit. But okay. It's turned, out, it, it's turned out to be a real inspiration and meaningful to so many people. Now, your book is called Perseverance, and you say perseverance can be defined as to carry on in your course of action, even in the face of difficulty, with little or no evidence of success. That's your That's definition. Right. Tell us more about it. Well, if you'd had the opportunity to watch our, our race on The Amazing Race Canada in Season 1, you would have seen that we ran the classic underdog race. We were the dark horses. We were the cut that come from behind Cinderella story that nobody expected to happen. We were error prone and constantly behind. We uh, had so many opportunities to die and knew all along that no one would have been surprised had we, had we done so. And that's a perfect example of perseverance. Mm -hmm. We made a decision in the race that in leg three, we realized that we just kind of sucked. We were not doing well. And we made a decision that we were going to stay in the race, keep our heads in the race, and get up every day and simply do our best. And have a little fun with it, you write. Isn't that true? Have a, have a little fun. Because we realized in like three, we weren't having fun. We, we were bummed out. 
we had gotten this far. We were excited to be on the show. We came on it with the attitude that we were going to win this thing. And here we were all but being sent home. So we decided to change our attitude, focus, and simply do our best. And while that sounds simplistic, maybe even a little silly to some folks, the bottom line is the most we can ever do on any given day is our best. Sometimes it doesn't look that great. Some days it sucks. But our best in the amazing race turned out to be enough to take home a championship. And you got uh, some good things from that. Now, why don't you tell us how your wife got you into this? You, it wasn't your idea, was it, to go into the no. great race? No, you know what? Like most good things in men's lives, it was the, it was the woman who put me up to it. And, uh, she had always been a bit of a fanatic of the amazing race in the States and always said that if it comes to Canada, we're going to apply. And I typically did that husband thing of rolling my eyes and said, yes, dear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And when it did come, she said, we're going to apply. So I said, okay, whatever. And she went about going through the process, came back and said, you know what? We can't do this. Our 15, our 18 year old daughter was off in Southeast Asia by herself at the time. Our 15 year old twins were still at home. And there was no way anybody in their right mind goes off and leaves their 15-year-old twins at home alone, right? <laughs> but she says to me, you and Tim Jr. can apply. I'm like, well, this is your thing, sweetie. I mean, this is your bag. You want to do this. You apply with Tim Jr. And she said, no, they're going to love your Parkinson's. And I guarantee you, you're going to get an interview. Hmm. And I was just like, what are you talking about? And, well, she knew what she was talking about. Not only did we get the interview, we ma managed to get on the show, and despite my Parkinson's, we managed to go on and win the thing. So, yeah, I blame well, yeah. her entirely for all of it. Now, you have a, title, a chapter in your book about one of the other people in the race, Jody Mittick, I think his name was. Yeah. You had Parkinson's, but he is a fellow who lost his legs in Afghanistan. Isn't that right? That's right. He served with the Canadian military in Afghanistan. Stepped on a landmine, two landmines, actually. They were one under the other. Wow. And he lost both of his legs below the knee. And I tell you what, he is one of the most inspiring individuals I have ever met. I watched that man do, as a quote-unquote disabled person, more than most able-bodied people are willing to do on prosthetics. Mm -hmm. I, watched, I watched him run across sand on prosthetics. I watched him walk a 12-inch wide board 100 feet in the air on prosthetics. Um, he almost beat me, came in second place on prosthetics, uh, mm. doing just an amazing job. So, yeah, I, I have a lot of respect and admire Jody a lot. Okay. You said your son was with you, Tim Jr., Tim Haig Jr. Well, How is he doing now? What's he up to? You know what he's doing fabulously well. He has uh, he is married. His wife uh, just finished law school a little bit ago. He, they have, oh, good for him. And we uh -huh. are enjoying life with them. He's doing really, really well. That's well, great. Now your book. Let's just talk about your book. I take it that uh, it's on Amazon.com and in bookstores right now. That's right. Across the states, you can find it just about anywhere. It's in Barnes and Noble, Costco. Uh, it's on Amazon.com. It's on Kobo and electric format, electronic format. It's an audio on Audible.com. 
you can find it just just about anywhere you'd like. Well, the book is called Perseverance, The Seven Skills You Need to Survive, Thrive, and Accomplish More Than You Ever Imagined. I've read it. It's a good read. It's an inspiring read. Now, we don't have time to go into all your adventures, but the chapters talk about the kinds of things you did during this 10-week amazing race. Isn't that right? That's right. I walked through the amazing race. Tell a little bit about my birth and my adoption story, and then end with those seven skills. That I believe people can get their hands around, sink their can teeth you, into. I'm looking at them right now. Let go of the happiness myth is one. Mm-hmm. Understand the nature of luck is another. Accept your limits. Yeah. Let's see, what else do you have here? Cease striving. Uh, yes, cease striving is the next one, and take every advantage and pay yeah, attention. As a matter of fact, yeah. the last thing I think is find community. Now, I've right. gone through this quickly, but these are all meaningful things that you've come up with, and I like it. And I think anyone who reads the book will be inspired. Now, the question, Tim, when is your second book coming out? <laughs> I'm working on it, Bert. I'm working on it. There's, there's well, you know, I have to spring I... that on you because I've written some humor books about dumb criminal law stories, and I had a book consultant that I worked with. I was proud of my first book, and, you know, I thought he would be proud. He says, when are you getting out the second book now? <laughs> well, but anyway, Tim, it's so ask. good having you here. I wish you uh, success with your speaking and your writing and your family. Uh, you've done something that's truly engaging and inspiring, and I'm glad I could have you on the show. Well, thank you. I appreciate that a lot. And if folks would like to know more about me or a book or what we're doing, they can find it at timsenior.ca. That's T-I-M-S-R dot C-A. All right. Do it one more time so I can write it down. Tim Senior, T-I-M-S-R dot C-A. That's for Canada, right? That is for Canada. All right, then. All right, well, you know, when your second book comes out, I'll have you back on again, Tim. But thank you right now. I've got to go. This is Birdsong. We've been with Tim Hay. There's still some more here in the show. Stick with us. Song back with you. Just finished talking to Tim Haig. He wrote a book called Perseverance, The Seven Skills You Need to Survive, Thrive, and Accomplish More Than You Ever Imagined. A good read. I recommend it. You can find it on Amazon.com or in your bookstores. Right now, let's do a Paul Harvey story. This one is entitled Willem's Passion. More than anything, Willem wanted to be an evangelist. He was only 25. A century ago, but already he'd been an art dealer, language teacher, bookseller, and an unsuccessful man in love. But more than all the paintings and all the words and all the books and all the women, Willem wanted to devote himself to his fellow man and the word of God. It was his passion that brought young Willem 
in the spring of 1879 to the coal fields of southern Belgium. It was there in a little mining town that Willem outlined the rest of the story on the back of a faded envelope. Perhaps it was the young minister's total selflessness that first captured the respect of the miners in the tiny born born age community. In a mine disaster, scores of the villagers were injured and no one fought harder to save them than he. Day by day, day and night, William nursed the wounded, fed the hungry, clothed the poor. He even scraped the slag heaps to get his people fuel. After the rubble was cleared and the dead were buried and the sick were made well, the townspeople turned to the Dutchman who had healed their physical hurts and adopted him as their spiritual leader. Every Sunday they overflowed Williams's services to hear his unassuming or right. Every Sunday they overflowed Willem's services to hear this unassuming man preach the literal word of God and then lightning struck. A visiting church official discovered Willem living in a simple hut, dressed in an old soldier's coat and trousers made of sacking. When he asked Willem what he had done with his salary, Willem answered simply that he had given it to the miners. The church official told Willem that he looked more miserable than the people he taught. Why had he given everything away? Willem asked, wasn't this what Christ had intended for his disciples? Quote, there is such a thing as two literally interpreting the scriptures, the church official argued. He went on to say that the conversations, strike that, he went on to say that the conventions Willem had destroyed would take years to rebuild. Willem was dismissed from the service of the church that day. He was devastated. The career that had meant everything was suddenly nothing. There followed weeks of despair. Then one afternoon, Willem noticed an old miner. He was bending beneath the enormous weight of a full sack of coal. In that instance, Willem again felt the desperation of these people and recognized that it would always be his own. Fumbling through his pockets, the Dutchman pulled out a tattered envelope and then a pencil and began to sketch the weary figure that had moved him so. The first drawing was a crude one but he tried over and over again. Beginning that day, Willem was to capture for the world the torment, triumph, and dignity of the people he loved. If Willem had failed as a minister, there was now a new passion, a new purpose, and the people he was not allowed to teach, he was able to reach through art. In the process, he immortalized them, and they him. For the end of Willem's career as a clergyman motivated a ministry more monumental than he had ever dreamed, because the preacher who wasn't to be became the artist the world would know as Vincent Willem Van Gogh. And now you know the rest of the story. This is Birdsong. <laughs> I hope you like that little story. All right, we're coming to the end of the show. Let me give you the... Answers to the three riddles in my thought of the day. First riddle, what is purple and 500 miles long? What is purple and 500 miles long? The answer, the grape 
Wall of China. <laughs> the Grape Wall of China, get it? <laughs> Second, when is it bad luck to be followed by a black cat? When is it bad luck to be followed by a black cat? The answer, when you're a mouse. <laughs> Finally, riddle number three. A man dressed his dog as a mailman for Halloween. What did the dog do? The dog bit himself. <laughs> Those are the riddles for this week. I'm going to leave you with this thought. Listen carefully. Learn how to be happy with what you have while you pursue all that you want. I'll say it again. Learn how to be happy with what you have while you pursue all that you want. This is Birdsong and his thought of the day. Thanks for being with us. Come back and listen to me next week. 